What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Your ears do not deceive you. You have just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview. Hello and welcome to Comic Book Yeti's Cryptid Creator Corner. Uh, yeah, that, that's, I think we're, we're stuck with the name now. Uh, folks seem to like it. I, uh, uh, you know, have said it's, it's too alliterative, but yeah, this is where we are. Um, uh, it's your host, Jimmy Gasparro, uh, for this episode. And I am very excited today because I have with me the artist for Vault Comics' newest series, End After End. Um, I believe the first issue is coming out August 24th, uh, but we're going to hear all about it from uh, Sanando C, who is here with me today. Please welcome uh, Sanando to the uh, to the podcast. How you doing? Hey, Jimmy. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. I'm uh, excited to have you on, and especially because and we, we mentioned this you know, a little bit before I started recording, so often... It'll be the writers that are reaching out or PR, you know, folks, um, you know, seeing if you want to do a review with the writer and it's or sometimes I'll get a writer, an artist. But now I have uh, the artist yourself here to talk about end after end, especially comic books are a visual medium and the role that you play uh, for end after end is uh, hugely important. So, um, yeah, thank you very much for for joining the podcast. Hey, I'm very glad to be here. Thank you for reaching out. So I wanted to start in terms of when did you get start get started as an artist? Okay, so I think I've been drawing pretty much all my life. Um, maybe when I was four or five, I think I started drawing. Um, so I live in India, for people who don't know that. And... We don't really have a comics industry. So um, that wasn't really an option, but we do get a lot of stuff from the US and the UK that trickles down into bookstores and things. So I grew up reading a lot of things here in my book. Um, and I do have family who live outside the country. And whenever they'd come and they'd be like, you know, what do you want us to get? I'd always like get me comics. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I think ever since I was a kid and I used to go through all these comics and it would be pretty random because we didn't have like an organized system. So you wouldn't get right. issues. Mm -hmm. So you get like issue, I don't know, 100 of something. And the next time you got to read like Batman, it was like 400 or something. So you'd kind of have to like piece things together over the years. Um, yeah, but from the first time I saw these comics, I was fascinated and this was what I wanted to do. So, yeah. So, pretty, so you, so in terms of drawing, you were drawing early and, and, but when you started reading comics, you early on thought that if, you know, uh, comic art more so than any other type of artistic endeavor was where, what you wanted to do. Yeah, pretty much because I wasn't really interested in like, things like art class in school, you know, what okay. did make, make you do like a still life or like, uh, I don't know, like pastoral scenes and things like that. I mean, I did them because I wanted to get my skills up, but that was never what my actual interest was it. Um, okay. Yeah, so uh, back in the day, you did have like these letter columns and every once in a while you read about this guy who used to be like, a prolific letter writer, and then he became a writer and artist. And I used to think back then that, you know, if I just keep sending in mail to DC or something, someday they're going to notice. 
Um, okay. When I was a kid, I used to do that. I used to write these really stupid long letters to every book I read. And the, stup- the stupider thing was, um, because we don't need get these back issues, I'd be like writing about an issue that came out like in 1990, but I'd be reading it in 1994. And I'm writing a letter four years later, thinking this is, yeah, you know, I, thinking I, relevant, yeah. I think that I think that's fantastic though. That would have been great if they it would have been printed. I mean, I think that would have been like what a what what a great thing if DC had printed one of your letters in the back of, you know, like a a 1994 Batman issue that you're writing in uh either, you know, talking about or asking questions about something that happened in a 1990 issue. I mean, yeah. that I I thought that... <laughs> Man, honestly, I was like, okay, this is the way I need to do this. So, <laughs> uh, so when did you first start trying to, like, what age were you when you first started to try and either make your own comics or, or like, you know, actually work in the comics medium in terms of, like, putting things in panels and telling stories in that fashion? Oh, so I think I might have been about 14 or 15 when I started doing that. Um it was terrible. It was mostly stuff that was like traced out other comics. But okay. I, think I think it's a good way to go, actually, because like I said, if you don't have a lot of access to people who are doing mm-hmm. that, um, you kind of figure out some nuts and bolts of how it works. Um, okay. If nothing else, it did actually, um, I mean, it did actually help me figure out a lot of things in terms of like, say, production, where I was doing like these zero scenes uh you know stapling them myself and then selling them to my friends or whatever giving them away mostly uh but it did yeah i think that's around when i started it was a lot of superhero stuff because that's what i was getting here okay um, and like very very derivative but i think that's kind of true of everyone who does this so yeah yeah I, I, yeah i think it is i mean everyone has to start you know has to start somewhere. I, I, have a, I, have, I have two kids and my daughter's nine and is very artistic. I, I am not. I do not have any. I cannot draw anything um, to save my life. Um, but my, my nine-year-old is. And, you know, she watches YouTube videos and reads certain graphic novels about dragons. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. what she does. She starts to, you know, she starts to, like... She, she she makes she has a notebook she makes it, the the lines for the panels and is drawing those things that she's seeing and that that she's consuming so yeah i mean i think that makes you know a lot of sense um and so um when do you first start getting uh, i guess and how do you you know if you say you're in india and they don't really have the same system like the U.S. in terms of like getting comics and getting things. And when is it that you really start to, you know, I, I guess make comics in terms of commercially and 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 getting things out there? Like, how did that come about for you? Like, um, was it through okay. online or through somebody else that you first started getting noticed? Um, okay, so this is going to kind of be a long answer because this happened over a period of years. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like I said, so there really wasn't a comic industry here. So I, you know, when, when I left high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do for college. I was actually supposed to go to law school. Um, and there was someone who I knew who was going to art school who happened to see some of my work. And he said, you know, that's a waste of talent. And do you really want to spend the rest of your life studying law? Um, mm-hmm. Some days I probably regret not going to law school because I look at how well some of my friends did go there do, but that's a whole different thing. Um, but it, <laughs> well, it, as as it, as someone who is a lawyer, don't regret yeah. it too much. <laughs> no, so I was like, okay, you know, I just worked so hard and I kind of squeaked into law school and I can't do this the rest of my life. Right. Uh, so I did So I did end up going to art school. And at art school, they were terrible to me because they were like, you know, why do you want to do comics? Comics suck. Uh, you'll never make a living doing this. There is no industry. Uh, 
do something else, do graphic design, mm-hmm. uh, go to architectures if you really want to do something else. Um, I wouldn't say I bought into it because I kept making comics on the side. But then, uh, yeah, it was kind of a thing with like everyone keeps telling you this, you know, this isn't going to work, you're wasting time or whatever. Um, in some ways, it was good because I picked up a lot of other skills, uh, which I think now helps me make comics. Uh, I did a lot of film studies classes, which I think were tremendously useful in hindsight. Um, right. Like that. Yeah. Um, what happened later was that I think the world kind of opened up. You had the internet, social media. Uh, social media came a little later. But the internet was like game changing for me because mm-hmm. for my life, I was actually able to read things as they came out. Um, Plus, um, you know, going as far back as Facebook, you would suddenly see these comic creators have their pages talking about things, posting things, process, um, just like having that kind of access, even to like, say, interviews or like, uh, I don't know, previews of things. Mm-hmm. It was like this whole world when I realized that, okay, you know, I don't actually need to have the comics in my hand. I can actually just see this, look at people doing this, and see how they're doing it. Um, so that was huge. So by the time I graduated, I kind of figured, OK, you know, I don't care how long this takes. I'm going to keep at this, um, which led me to my first comic adjacent job, which was um, okay. that there was a company that was doing licensing uh, for DC and Marvel in India, you know, the kind of stuff that goes on backpacks, of, like, I don't know, lunchbox. Or yeah. Something. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I got a job with them. Um, and it was a lot of tracing over, like, Mark Bagley, Adam Cooper, Spider-Man, X-Men stuff, uh, Batman, the animated series stuff. Um, okay. But I did that for, I did that for a for a little while, not very long, I got bored and I was like, okay, you know, also it paid really badly. Mm. Um, and I figured, okay, maybe this isn't going to happen. So, um, which is like when I made a concentrated effort to get like a real job and I worked in a design firm and I did like really well for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kind of burnt out. Um, yeah, and I was like, okay, you know, I've done really well. I think I've hit a ceiling. Um, I've got some savings. And this is maybe just a little before the pandemic started. Um, okay. So, so I was like, okay, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to sit at home and I'm going to like start drawing things and posting stuff on Twitter and Instagram and see, I'm going to see how far it gets. Um, and I started it and then it actually picked up traction. I spent like a year doing like things like shorts and working with writers on pitches, which is like this whole sub industry no one talks about, like a number of like say eight pages or 12 page pitches that you do with writers that maybe never see the light of day, but you can actually do that for like years and make like a decent living as oh. long as they page rate. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure because you know, you're doing like four, eight, maybe you know 10 pages to try and see if something will come of it right yeah um so i was doing that for about a year i had a couple of shots so i did stuff at image and dark things like that um mm-hmm. then i think one of those got um i mean i became friends on twitter with god Pierce, and then right so i had a shot for him for his book weird which Dark House published. And we then started talking about doing something longer, which ended up being this uh, graphic novel at Comic Sanology called Memoria. Right. Which is more yes. of a like a crime noir anthology, right? Uh, it's not an anth- No, so it was actually meant to be like a five-issue mini. But, oh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, but, but we ended up putting it out as like one collected OGN. Okay. So, so that was probably the biggest learning I've had in comics because drawing 120 pages of something is not easy. Um, <laughs> I can't, I can't imagine it. 
Yeah, so it's like when you're drawing, like like I said, when you're drawing shorts, when you're drawing pictures, you're drawing like eight to ten pages in your album. You don't have to keep drawing the same characters over and over and over and over. Um, so that was a huge step for me. Mm -hmm. uh, so around the time I was finishing that up, I was like starting to panic. Like, okay, you know, what happens next? Um, which is when, uh, so Tim, Tim Daniel, who's the co-writer, and after he was already following me on Twitter, and uh, at the time, two two of the books that I really loved were the plot, which Tim was mm -hmm. the co-writer, and um, I had also just read the fall. Um, they had done this uh, Brandon Sanderson graphic novel. Uh, the dark one, I think, um, which Tim was also heavily involved in, and I love right, yeah, the yeah, the yeah. Brandon Sanderson that graphic is novel, right? Uh, so I figured, okay, I'm just gonna hit Tim up because I do like his work, <laughs> and I was, right? If he's got anything going, that should be a part of. So yeah, so I sent him a DM saying, "Hey Tim, I'm just finishing up this book, and can I send you some pages? You know, maybe if you can find something for me at ball." Um, I did not know at the time that Tim was designing the trade for Memoria. So he had already seen all of my work and had me on the okay. list. Um, yeah, so we just started talking and I think like within an hour, he had sent me like the pitch for end after end and first few scripts and it was done. So yeah, that's good. Wow. So. Oh, so when you get something like so you've 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 done Memoria, and um, you've done Memoria, and you've now gotten this pitch for End After End. So I read somewhere in an interview you had done, maybe with the beat, that you weren't really like a fantasy setting type of you know type of guy in in terms mm -hmm. of what it was you liked. So what was it then in in terms of End After End, which for anyone who's not familiar with it. it it tells the story of walter uh willem who seemingly dies and wakes up in a in a in the middle of a battle um and is trying to to make his way at least in in issue one he's he's basically just trying to survive um and so when you get a pitch like that in terms of what this story is what is it that hooks you into it that you're like i want to be a part of this okay so Actually, the first thing Tim asked me was, um, what do you want to draw right now? And oh. after about 120 pages of like this crime noir, Michael Mann kind of book, um, mm -hmm. I told Tim, you know, I just want to draw stuff that's different every issue. You know, uh, I don't want to use reference. I don't want to watch films. I just want to like draw crazy shit. And he said, okay, and he said, I've got something for you. Uh, so he sent me the pitch and I read it and I was like, okay, this seems pretty wild. I could do things here. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I think that's what really got me into it. I don't want to be like typecast into doing one kind of thing. I also like switching up my style when I'm drawing. Um, a different book, you know, at the end of okay. it. But visually, I mean, do you want to keep doing the same thing all the time? So like right. I said, after drawing like an entire crime series, I really wanted to stretch different muscles, um, which is why I think End of end After End was like the perfect second book to start, yeah. Well, I mean, I've, I've gotten to read issues one and two. I don't want to give anything away to anyone who hasn't, uh, read it yet so i'll try and tread carefully um but there are just some i mean the main character is thrown into the middle of a battle uh so instantly it's it's unlike anything that you'd find in like a a crime noir um but there is a there is a little bit of a Gritty is is the wrong word, but there is something about your style which I feel is unique for a fantasy setting 
but ev- everything looks right in terms of the the, the fantasy setting. Um, was that something you you thought about in terms of the way you wanted it, you know, to look and not be so, you know, bright as some like fantasy settings? Like there's a little bit of an edge to everything I thought in end after end. Yeah, no, that's absolutely a conscious decision. I think it's one of the reasons why Tim and DB even wanted me on the book. Um, because I think a lot of times when you see fantasy, um, I mean, when you kind of see like a visual representation of what a fantasy thing is, even in comics, you have these very nice, clean, beautiful books. Um, people like Craig Russell, uh, Charles Vess, and it's... Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the look that people tend to associate with fantasy books in a way. Um, mm-hmm. And I think uh, DB in particular mentioned every time that he wants this to be like a very human drama at the end of the day, the fantasy world is the world it's set in, but it's still about Walt and his journey within the story. Um, So yeah, no, so it was absolutely a conscious decision to kind of bring everything down to the dirt and show you just how difficult it is for this man to be but he thinks he's the chosen one in this world (laughs) and it's a whole journey for him to get where he finally does end up Um, but it's not going to be a fun journey and I kind of wanted the art to show that so everything is dirty and grimy Uh, it's it's like this constant never-ending war what makes you think people would be clean and shiny and sparkling every so yeah everything has this added layer of grand to it yeah and i even noticed i think there was one panel in particular in the first issue and where i think it's walt or one of the other characters it might even be like an unnamed character i think there's somebody else there's a close-up of somebody in the foreground and you see some other folks running in the background and it, it it looks like it almost looks like somebody is like um like their helmet and weapon and uniform are mismatched. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's like, there, there's an element to it of like, just here, take this and take this. And it's, I wanted to ask you about in terms of the, the design of the characters. Like, was there any, um, I mean, were you giving any type of like touch tones in terms of we're thinking this or we're thinking that, or did you have kind of like free reign to say, I want Kappa to look like this. I want, uh, Grink to look like this, and I want Walt to look like this. No, it was absolutely. Um, I think once I came in, uh, so actually, truth be told, there was someone else who was working on End After End before I came. Okay, on, and they had done um, a lot of character designs and part of the first issue and things like that. Um, I didn't actually see most of that till I was well into the way because I didn't want to kind of get influenced by that. Um, sure. But these guys pretty much gave me like a free reign, um, which is why I think you see a lot of very different influences creep in, but um, especially with like the costuming mm-hmm. and people are wearing and things. Uh, I think there's a bit more of an Eastern influence, I guess, because that's where I come from. That's the kind of stuff I'm seeing. Um, right. Uh, yeah, so I think some of that I brought in. Um, these guys also did want to, uh, I think they were pretty happy with that. So as we go, we try to bring in a lot more. It's not it's not like a Tolkien-inspired world. There's a lot more fed into it. Um, fairy tales I grew up on, things like that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, it... it... Yeah, in terms of you said it, it was, it's not a very like Tolkien influenced world, which is like, you know, a big, you know, everyone thinks fantasy and thinks of Tolkien and Lord of the Rings. Um, but it, it is, there is a familiarity to the setting, but it is very different. Um, it does feel very much its own thing, you know, not, it's not cut and pasted from, you know, some other world. And I, I liked the chaos of the first issue. 
I mm-hmm. felt that there there was uh, an, an element of you're kind of thrown into it with Walt, you know, as the reader. He doesn't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on. I felt that was very much reflected in the art and the paneling. Um, and the second issue is much more of a um, kind of it's it's, you know, kind of its own thing. Like we're very different from the first issue. Um one of the things I, which I liked as well, and one of the things I noticed is uh, there. it was hard for me to tell exactly how long it had been since certain events had taken place. And I felt like that was very intentional for something called end after end and being, you know, this other world where you go after you die and not having a good sense of how much time has passed within it. And I felt like that was a very seemed to seemed to me. I don't know if I was am, am correct, but it seemed to me to be something very intentional in how everything was, you know, planned and spaced out, especially in the pacing and the paneling of it. I mean, was that something you were thinking about, it, like the timing of it and when things took place? Yeah, no, that's absolutely intentional. And I'm really glad you got it. <laughs> uh, we're not spoon feeding readers in terms of saying, OK, you know, so much time has passed. But yeah. there are going to be things that change. So it's like um, the Walt you see in the third issue is very different from the Walt you see in the second issue because he's been there and he's had time to pick up some skills and his armor, he's wearing armor now. He ditches the sweater vest. Um, <laughs> oh, you know, I like so, the sweater vest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so as things go, you do notice these things jump. His beard grows, his hair grows, he has scars. Okay. Um, right. But we go into like, oh, you know, this is how he, I'm not saying he lost, loses his eye, but, you know, we're never going to tell you this is how he lost his eye. It's just okay. that he's up in an issue with one eye. Right, um, right. So those are absolutely intentional um, calls. I think from the beginning, Tim had kind of given me an idea about how the book's going to end. Okay. Uh, and it was like, you know, do what you want, but from point A to point C, this is visually where the character needs to go. Okay. So I can pick where my stops are, but yeah, the character does visually progress as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's great. I, and I can't wait. I can't wait to see where it goes because issue one and issue two, um, this is the kind of thing that I think is like right up my alley um, mm-hmm. in terms of the stuff that I like to read, uh, you know, because we have a person who has a very modern sensibility, you know, in terms of we have somebody right here right now who is trying to figure out and make their way through things. So we have all these different elements taking place and you have a character. And in the second issue, we start to see some flashbacks. So we have somebody dealing with, you know, maybe looking back over the course of their life. And then figuring out, you know, where they are now and and their place in it. And um, there's a lot of the elements of it, both in the writing from Tim Daniel and um, and DB Andre, uh, that I that I really enjoy. And I think your art complements this type of world and setting, um, you know, very well. Um, was it fun getting? Not giving too much away. Was it was it fun getting to draw some of the creatures that we've seen so far in issues one and two? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, usually with the creatures, DB sends me like uh, pictures of, oh, you know, kind of needs to look like this, this, and this. And it'll all be pictures of bugs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's great. Um, yeah, I mean, there is, yeah, it's a whole different side to, I have never drawn bugs like that before. No? Uh, no. And then you figure, okay, you know, it can't just be the bug blown up i need to change this 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 right and start doing that so it's a lot of fun there are actually a whole bunch of outtakes um <laughs> but yeah you know um where they're like no it's just too hairy uh go back <laughs> or, like that and because i work digitally i save all of those so yeah there's a whole right. bunch of, like these creature outtakes oh that that's I, funny yeah I, so. I, with something like this um you know, you talked about, you said earlier on, like, you didn't want to have to do a lot of reference and things like that. You didn't want to have to watch a movie. You, you know, you kind of wanted to 
be in a world that you could really play around with, which I think this is this is probably it. But um, do you ever do any type of like reference in terms of like facial acting or body positioning or if a creature throws somebody, you know, up in the air? Like, is there any type of modeling that you have to do to try and get that angle right? How do you how do you work within that with something that is very out of the ordinary? Maybe a bit. Um, I think everyone just faces into the mirror when they want to hit something. Uh, right. So a bit of that. Um, I think when I started drawing the book, I was still thinking of it in terms of like a movie camera. Okay, you know, what's mm-hmm. a good um, I think as we've gone further in, it gets a little more out there because I actually kind of started looking at comics that I love. Um, and a lot of that is the kind of stuff that came out in the 90s that people uh, probably wouldn't call great comics now. But mm-hmm. um, visually, there's a lot over there. Um, I mean, if I'm going to be very specific, um, it's like when I was a kid, uh, Adam Kubert's Hulk was a big thing for me. Okay. I had the short run on the Hulk with Peter David, and I had like a five or six of those books and I was like, oh, this is amazing and I want to draw just like this. So that's actually what I'm looking at now because it's energy and the kind of framing thing, which is particular only to comics. Um, You know, it's not that whole prestige TV movie camera eye that a lot of people into tend to bring to comics these days. Uh, So yeah. So I think it's more a question of more intentionally looking at comics and understanding that, you know, the physics doesn't have to be right as long as it looks good on the panel. <laughs> yeah, that's true, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, some of that, I'm not going to go really wild with it, but I'm trying to bring right. that influence into my work these days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you, already, I was, my, you already answered part of my next question. I was going to ask in terms of what type of comics do you like or have influenced you in terms of your artistic style so other than you know those uh that run of the hulk are there other things either from from back in the 90s or from now that you look to and think like this is this is it this is like what i like to look at and read and see visually in terms of comics yeah no there's a lot um and i mean a lot like i think like I said, having not grown up with the comics industry, you tend to like pick up and read everything. Right. Um, and it's not just American comics. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of, uh, I pick up a lot of these French albums, which I can never read, but the art is gorgeous. Um, yeah. Yeah. So at now, especially, like I said, you know, having access, having traveled a bit, uh, you kind of build up like a library of things. Mm-hmm. So, look, yeah, um, I think books I'm currently looking at, um, I think something I was recently blown away by was Something is Killing the Children. Okay. Um, I have no idea how to pronounce the artist's name beyond Werther because that's his first name. Um, but I think just seeing that kind of sketchiness and the looseness that he does, um, which is not something I think American comics were doing before this. Like everything had, yeah. to, you know, like, like it doesn't have defined lines. It looks like he went straight from pencils to publishing it. Uh, so yeah, so that was kind of like an eye opener, especially because he's also doing creatures and like monster action things like that. Oh yeah, yeah, I. But- I- yeah, I love I love that comic book. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Werther, I'm trying to think. Of the, I was looking up the last name. Werther uh, Deladera, but um, yeah. is the artist, and Miguel Muerto, I think, does the. He does the color. Yeah. The color. Um, yeah, James uh, Tinian works with you know several of the artists on his book are doing things that I think not many other artists you know are doing in terms of comics. His other one, the that he writes, the Department of Truth and martin simmons on that book everything is just all murky shadows at times and it just Mm -hmm. it all looks it all looks great and it's just there's it's just there's not book 
not many books out there like that that are doing that and doing it as well as those two um as those yeah, two series his other book that to turn this into like a james fact. <laughs> whatever but uh um the nice house by the lake um, yeah yeah because um if you look at everything the artist had done previously he'd done a run on batman i think uh with james Damien actually where it looked like a regular american comic um right but the work he's doing here is completely different it's like yeah so textured and rich and dense and yeah it's so uh, and, and there's a darkness to it that isn't um that isn't hard to read um and there's also some you know with their main character of i think that's another walter main character who <laughs> yeah has a, a certain weirdness to it and that's uh it's alvaro martinez bueno mm -hmm. um is the artist on that um yeah yeah so well thank you for turn tuning in to the james <laughs> podcast uh, we're big fans but no <laughs> <laughs> no I, 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 that's true in terms of um all those artists uh for his books are are phenomenal um yeah. So let me talk about the rest of the creative team here. We've mentioned the co-writers, uh, D.B. Andre and Tim Daniel, but also a colorist whose work that I've, I absolutely love, Kurt Michael Russell, yes. and uh, another a fantastic letterer, Jim Campbell. Um, I mean, this is just a stellar creative team. How has the collaboration been? How has it been working with everybody? Okay. Um... In some ways, it was intimidating when I started because when you look at the people on the book, Tim, DB, Kurt, um, at the time I hadn't spoken to Jim much. Um, Liana, who's doing our very. Oh, that's right. Liana Kangas is doing like the, the B covers, right? So that's like Vault Comics royalty. <laughs> and you get dropped in with these people. And this is like the second book you've done ever and mm -hmm. yeah you really get it is very intimidating yeah especially because i knew end of it was also supposed to be like a big launch for vault in a way it's also right. like that tim and db are doing as co-writers um and things so you know there was a certain amount of pressure but uh yeah they're fantastic collaborators that's i mean it's been I think we've mentioned this in other places before where I think it's, I didn't think making comics was going to be this collaborative. And I mean that in a good way. I don't mean, uh, you know, um, it's like anytime I want feedback or anytime I want to post something, we have like a discard. Okay. So, uh, anytime I want to post like a thumbnail, character design, whatever, um, everyone is accessible. Everyone, mm -hmm. everyone tells you, you know, do this, or this is great, or, you know, okay, go back and redo this, whatever. Um, but having that kind of feedback from people who are so good at what they do, and who have taken so much uh, investment in this book, I think everyone's, like, putting in, like, probably a lot more than you normally would. And I think some of that shows. Uh, I have also mentioned previously that Kurt is absolutely like a co-artist on the book. I would not say he's a colorist because he brings so much. Mm -hmm. uh, like he literally transforms my work, you know? And now we're about, we're like four issues in. And I also know it's like playing in a band. I know if I do this, he's going to do this. Um, mm -hmm. Or if I do this, I just need to like show him like, Okay, these are the sketchy lines, but do what you want to do. Right. And I can absolutely trust that he's going to turn around something amazing there. Which yeah, is I, I. No, sorry, go ahead. No, it's just that it's, um, you know, every time I, I've kind of been doing like this weird stuff in the backgrounds with like textures and like pencil lines and stuff, and just like leaving things in. And, you know, sometimes you wonder is this going to get lost? Is this going to get. How is this going to translate? But what Kurt sends back is always 
so much more than I could have imagined myself. So, right. yeah. Yeah, I, the colors for the first issue are really good. They're, um, in terms of being like toned down a little, but there are these, the, there's a brightness to it at times, both, both in the first and second issue. Uh, the colors for the flashbacks in the second issue uh, really do create two different worlds. And mm -hmm. I think it really lends itself to um, to the, the storytelling, to both of you, uh, in terms of being an artist and colorist, or as you said, co-artist. So I really think, again, it, it's a, a book that I think in other hands could end up looking too dark if somebody's dropped, you know, in the middle of a war. Um, but there is a certain like lightness to it at times. And I think also that it, it's helped by Tim and DB's writing because there's a there's a certain I mean, humor might be the wrong word, but there is a, a certain kind of lightness, mm -hmm. uh, maybe due to the absurdity of suddenly find your finding yourself in the middle of this weird battle that I think works well with the art and, you know, the color choices. Um, and and then you know last but certainly by any means not least Jim Campbell's lettering is I mean he's just phenomenal yeah yeah, no, yeah it's I... it's a it's a really good I, the issues one and two are just they're they're excellent it deserves to be a big launch um it's a it's a great story and it looks fantastic I mean absolutely fantastic thank you I'm glad to hear that yeah. Um, no, um, sorry, just going go back to what we're saying, I think, yeah, I think the world great dynamic, um, like the banter that they have is what carries the book. Mm -hmm. um, we are talking about some pretty heavy things and it is in the middle of a battlefield, but um, that relationship really makes it easy for you to go through the books because they have that weird student. It's Luke Yoda, but like modern than just that as well so yeah um is there anything in particular that you were really excited about when you got that you can mention that you were really excited about being able to draw when you got the script was there anything that you felt like you know i know you said you hadn't drawn monsters or you know the the, the creatures like that before um but was there anything in particular when you saw it in the script you're like i am gonna have a real great time with this. Yeah, well, the first script I got, okay, um, I got the first five scripts at a go um, because okay. they've been for, for a while. But when I read the first issue, every second page was like, okay, 300 people, uh, big <laughs> battle scene. Like, uh, you know, reeks flying <laughs> from here, slug monsters from here. And yeah, that was my first reaction. I was like, how am I going to draw this? Right. Um, so absolutely that. And I think that it is as chaotic as it is, which people right. see this as a plus, because that's exactly how it was for me. I was like, okay, you know, I do not on a monthly deadline or whatever, have time to sit here and plan out this. I'm just going to mm -hmm. drop everything on this page. You know? Um, so mm -hmm. I just put everything and I was like, okay, you know, go figure it out. Um, and I think it worked. Uh, it is absolutely as chaotic and noisy and loud as I would want it to be. Right. Um, yeah, the issue I have been looking forward to drawing from the beginning, though, has been issue five, which I haven't started yet, um, which is probably some ways away, which is the end of the first arc of the book. Okay. Yeah, and I'm not going to spoil too much other than saying it's um, it's not a battle scene, it's a fight scene between two characters. Okay. Um, so I was really looking forward to design one of the characters and then just do like an issue long fight scene. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's coming up. All right. Yep. That's exciting. Do you ever get, um, I mean, it, do you ever think you'd get, you know, uh, maybe precious is the wrong word, but do you ever think you'd get too attached like to get a script and if something bad happens to a character, 
are, do you do you get attached to the characters you draw, or do you think uh, this is just the story that we're telling? No, I I think the more that I think the worse it is for the character, the better. <laughs> I have, I have, like yeah, that's been one of the fun things for me. It's like you know, when I get a note saying, "Hey, you know, we need more battle damage on this guy between issue three and issue four. I'm all for it. I'm like, yes, let's just like, because, you know, like I said, you know, you can't draw the same thing for like a hundred some pages. And yeah. And after, and if it goes as long as we want, it's going to be 10 issues. Yeah, so, I'm, okay. so I'm glad I get to change things up. Um, nice. It still has to be Walt recognizably, but like I said, if I want him to lose an eye, cut an ear, um, shave his head. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is, that is fair. Um, uh, so, yeah, this is going to be August 24th, issue one is out, right? That's yep. the date? That and is. I know Vault is gearing up for a lot of things. They they have their uh, Nightfall double feature, and I know they're yep. planning a lot for, for uh, what is it, ECCC, Emerald City mm -hmm. Comic Con. Um, Which uh, they, has just... special end after end variant, if people are looking for it. It's our Green Knight homage cover. Because there were a lot of people who came and said, hey, you know, that first cover looks a bit like the Green Knight poster. So, yeah, mm -hmm. you get it as the Green Knight poster. Yeah, I saw that uh, <laughs> in terms of being like a, an ECC, ECCC exclusive. Uh, yeah, it's a fantastic cover. Um, and the other cover, the cover by Liana Kangas is uh, phenomenal as well. Um, you know, her art, you, you, as soon as you see something and see that cover, I don't even have to to look i know instantly who you know i know instantly the artist the artist behind it um yeah so vault's gearing up for a lot of things i i'm a big fan of theirs i just saw that they're i think sending to kickstarter a uh, wasted space omnibus which is pretty awesome that was a um phenomenal series which just ended after issue 25 which i i loved so um, yeah, so uh, I think uh, very, very good company to be in. <laughs> yeah, I could not have a, like a better uh, launch or anything. Yeah, it's Paul's been great to work with, and I'm not yeah. just saying they're like my publishers, but yeah. <laughs> so, um, so what you know, what might be you know next for you if you if you got to pick, what type of do you make next? Oh, you know, so I would work with Tim and DB uh, together or individually, like anytime. So mm -hmm. we still have, like I said, if we um, ten issues of end after end, I'm about halfway there. So there is still a while that we're going to be working on this book. Yeah. But I would absolutely love to keep working with them or with Mark beyond that um if you ask me what like my personal things are i would someday love to do like a dc or marvel thing only because that's the stuff i grew up on right uh yeah i don't know if i have it in me to do like an ongoing thing but i would certainly love to do yeah something. so 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 which character what which character would it be if dc or marvel approached you and said hey you you can do a one shot any character who's the character that you're like i have to draw this okay if it's if it's marvel it's probably wolverine or huck yeah uh, yeah but then i'm gonna like end up saying like oh daredevil or whatever yeah but like that's kind of like the thing dc you know i have always really wanted to draw superman um like a bunch of the comics that I read when I was a kid were like the whole thing where he goes to War World and fights Mongol and he's a gladiator. And they just right. did a riff on that in action comics. And uh, I was, yeah, I, um, yeah. I think, yeah. And I am so pissed that I didn't get to draw that. <laughs> I was like, why? Because they're not going to do this for another 20 years and then maybe I wouldn't <laughs> draw it. But they just did that. Uh, yes. Yeah, they, they just. They oh, just yeah. um, uh, in Superman and action comics, they just did the the War yeah. World saga, right? Yeah. So I was like, okay, you know, someone else has done that, so I guess that's mm -hmm. gonna happen. Uh, I'm just also gonna throw it out there. 
big spawn fan so if anyone from there is listening i would go to big spawn <laughs> so yes yeah, so, so all the 90s highlights uh wolverine yeah. hulk uh, superman no, and yeah. spawn yeah that was it uh, one of the things i did like i said once i started traveling or like making a certain amount of money is that i went and bought up back issues of everything i read as a kid i was going to ask you i, I was going to ask you if like because if you got things so disjointed in terms of you know that's just how you you had to get them from growing up in india um if you ever went back like and looked either digitally or like went to a comic shop at some point and like hunted through the back issues for something you never got to read as a kid. So you did that? Oh, I absolutely did that. So all the new <laughs> stuff is on my Kindle. Um, but I own copies of everything up until I don't know that I loved to like the year 2000 or something. Yeah. So just go look at like back issue bins, um, all these online ordering, whatever, you know, eBay. Yeah. And I get like boxes and boxes of like really some really bad comics, uh, <laughs> but I love them. Yeah, that's what yeah, that's my, great. My I, I I love yeah, I love going to my local shop at like right down the street and looking through the back issue bins and <laughs> and and hunting for covers that I recognize from you know an issue yep. I read when I was a kid. Yeah, it's 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 I, I love it. You know, that's phenomenal. Um. Well, uh, I, I won't. I won't keep you any longer. This has been wonderful. I, I'm so excited that you came on. I'm so glad we've been able to chat, and um, this has been great. And end after end, like I said, I've read issue one. End after end, I've read issue, read issue one and two, and I am on board. Uh, added to my pull list. Uh, I can't wait to see. Um, what terrible, terrible things you do to uh, to Walt? <laughs> oh yeah, it's a <laughs> um, yeah. I'm doing the fourth issue, and I'm like, that's he needs a few more skies. And, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Um, again, this is uh, this is Jimmy Gasparro for uh, Comic Book Yeti's Cryptid Creator Corner. Thank you so much for listening. And, and if you like the uh, the interview and what we've been doing, please uh, like and subscribe and all the other things they ask you podcasts. Tell your friends. Um, and for everyone at Comic Book Yeti, a big thank you to Sanando C. Everyone go out and make sure you get end after end. Uh, Sanando, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Hey, thank you, Jimmy. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. All right, everyone, have a good night, and uh, I will see you next time. Bye, everybody. This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptid Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing, and more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.